Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Associate Pastor Reverend Henry Coates. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel according to John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. O God, tell us what we need to hear, and show us what we ought to do to obey Jesus Christ. Amen. John 20, verse 19. When it was evening on the first day of the week, the day that Mary of Magdala told the disciples she had seen the risen Lord, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered, My Lord and God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen, and yet have come to believe. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everybody. It is good to be with you live from our chapel. Uh, you know, we were expecting to be outside this morning, but you know what? It didn't happen, and that's okay. Thanks to the miracle of technology and the professionalism of our staff, we were able to make our rain plan work. So I am really grateful to God that we could connect this way this morning. So let's all go on and delve into our text today as we together hear a word from the Lord. Let's pray real quick. Uh, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing unto you, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
So the passage we've just read tells the story of doubting Thomas and his encounter with the risen Jesus. Now he's known as the doubting one because he wouldn't believe the other disciples when they told him that Jesus had risen from the dead. He hadn't seen that from up from the grave he had arisen. Now the other disciples said he has risen and Thomas didn't quite believe it. It seemed too improbable. Thomas perhaps is a bit like us, if you think about it, one week out from Easter Sunday. Now, today is traditionally called Low Sunday because after the high, emotional high, the high in so many different ways of Easter Sunday, we come down a little bit, right? We come down from the mountaintop. We go back down a little bit into the low valley. It's as if we hear the resurrection message, he is risen, told to his last Sunday. But when we come to today, it's, it's a great message. Yeah, yeah, no, that's nice. It's nice. Yeah, he's risen, people say. But we begin to think, well, I doubt that has, I doubt, I doubt. I doubt that has any real effect on my day-to-day life, right? It's a nice story. It's a nice story, full of life lessons, but that's about it, right? Thomas's story, Thomas's story is exceptional, and I think we could also perhaps identify with it as our story at times. Thomas was a disciple of Jesus. Not only that, Thomas was one of what they called the Twelve, The twelve were Jesus' closest disciples, and Thomas had been with Jesus through everything. He had seen signs and wonders performed by Jesus. He had heard Jesus. He had listened to Jesus. He had loved and been loved by Jesus. But he had also seen Jesus. He had seen Jesus mocked tortured and murdered. So he thinks he has seen the end of Jesus' story because stories tend to end when the main character dies, right? Except for, spoiler alert, the Game of Thrones first novel. But you see, Thomas had missed something. John in his gospel tells us that Thomas was not present when Jesus, the one who was dead, had first appeared to the other disciples alive. It isn't like any of them expected to see Jesus anyway. Note in the text, it says that the disciples locked the door. In their fear, they were hoping that no one would come to bother them. But Jesus doesn't let the barriers and fear we erect keep him away from transforming our lives. No locked door could keep our Savior away. Now the other disciples encountered the risen Lord, but Thomas had missed seeing the resurrected Jesus. It isn't as though Thomas vanished from the face of the earth. It's just that even with resurrected Jesus around, we can sometimes get busy and forget to seek him out, right? 
Who knows where Thomas was, but certainly had a good reason for not being there, right? He had a good reason for not showing up to the upper room that day. I mean, he was busy. He didn't, he didn't have to come to church that Sunday. He comes all the other Sundays. He didn't have to come to church that Sunday. Who knows where Thomas was? But he eventually did meet up with the other disciples. Now, Brother Thomas, they said, we have seen the Lord, they said. And Jesus is not dead, Tom. No, he is alive. We have seen the Lord is the constant refrain of the disciple, right? Now, Thomas is not a dumb guy. It isn't that he doesn't believe that with God, all things are possible. Thomas just knows that dead people stay dead. So let's show a little compassion for Thomas. Thomas doubted, but let's be honest, he had a good reason for his doubt. Dead people do not just appear. Dead people are not seen alive. They're dead. It stinks. But it's true. We have seen the Lord, they say. Well, great, Thomas replies. You can almost hear the sarcasm in his voice a little bit. You know, unless I can see and touch the holes in his hands and the wound in his side, I can never believe. It isn't that Thomas is unwilling to believe that Jesus is risen. Thomas is completely willing to believe if the risen Jesus meets Thomas's criteria for, criteria for believing in something. Thomas does not refute the possibility of resurrection. I mean, it could happen, right? That's what Thomas is thinking. It could happen. He's simply indifferent to it. Thomas is willing to have faith only if Jesus meets faith on his terms. Thomas demands that Jesus be touchable. He needs to see for himself if this reality is the truth. Now, you might be asking, well, why would the writer of the Gospel of John be telling us this story? Because Thomas's wish for tactile, real proof of the resurrection, of a witness to the power of God, is one that we ourselves deeply share. Thomas is more or less asking, did this really happen? Is Jesus really risen from the dead? Thomas's desire is every honest person's desire to know fully and surely that Jesus is alive. And so we are grateful that John gave doubting Thomas the space to make the desires of his heart known. God takes seriously the longing of human beings for the real, the bodily, and the factual. God knows the true desires of our hearts, and he brings us satisfaction. You see, Jesus respects us in that way. Let's continue to retell the story to perhaps hear it in a different way. A week passes since Jesus apparently appears. It's Sunday, and the disciples are gathered at church. And wouldn't you know it, Jesus shows up on a Sunday. He shows up at church. Now, Jesus does not meet Thomas in private. Jesus shows up in public in church. 
The doors are locked, but locked doors don't stop Jesus. He enters the middle of the room and he stands right there and he says, Hi, guys. Christ is at the center, as he should be in all things. And his hello is not our hello. No, his hello is peace. Peace, peace be with you. Peace is yours. Wherever Jesus shows up, he brings peace, for Jesus is peace. He is our peace. Then Jesus goes directly to Thomas, immediately. Jesus knows the problem, and he goes directly to Thomas to solve it. Jesus knows what is on Thomas's heart. He knows Thomas's doubt, and he addresses it directly without any niceties. Honest doubt is something that the risen Jesus clearly honors. Thomas wanted physical, physical verification of the resurrection. Jesus provides, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Touch the wound in my side. Look at me, Thomas. Look at me and stop your unbelief. Look at me and believe. Jesus enters the room and brings his peace. Then he gives his body to Thomas, the honestly doubting disciple. And then he challenges and calls us all to believe. It's kind of like communion, right? Where Jesus offers us his body and his blood and says, here, I offer myself to you. Do this and all things in remembrance of me. And then Thomas responds. Thomas sees, believes, and responds, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. This crucified man who stands at the center of the room, the holes in his hands and the wound in his side, he is the Lord. He is God. This is the only time in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus is directly called God. Jesus is not only a wonderful human being. Jesus is also almost incomprehensibly God himself with us. All things are possible with God. Out of Thomas's doubt, beautiful things are witnessed. Thomas experienced Jesus as who he really is, not only Lord of this world and God of the universe, but also he is Thomas's Lord, Thomas's God, Thomas's Savior. Jesus is not just universal, he is personal. Jesus loves Thomas and cares for him enough to meet him personally, individually, and specifically at the place of his greatest need, his doubt. He is Lord, he is God, and he loves us despite and through any doubts, any struggles, fears, and questions we might have through it all, 
through it all. The resurrection is the answer to all of us who doubt. It is the ultimate sign of God's love for God's creation and for God's people. It is the promise of God that says, I have not forgotten you. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead is God saying to you, to me, to all of us, that death is not the end, that the silence of the tomb will be abandoned for the joyful reunion to take place in the upper room. The past does not define us. The future awaits us. The resurrection tells me, it tells you, that we are part of the story that has been in the making since the beginning and that comes to fulfillment with the news that Christ is risen, that we have seen the Lord. Where is the love of God in the face of our doubts? He comes to us in the midst of our doubts and on and honest questions. He comes to us through all doors and barriers we may place up to keep him out and shows us the wound in his side and the holes in his hand. You know, in Mark's gospel that Pastor Ray preached on last week, the angel at the empty tomb says to the women disciples who come to anoint Jesus' body, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here in the tomb. He is not there behind closed doors. No, he is here with us always. In the midst of all our pain, in the midst of all our doubts, questions, waiting for us to gaze up at his wounds suffered for us and declare that he is our Lord and he is our God, waiting for us to rise up and be witnesses to his resurrection. His love, God's love, it is the love that challenges us to faith, that challenges us to hear the call of God to follow him out of the tombs of our own lives and into the open air where he awaits for us. Belief that all of this is true and real and not some devout wish or ecstatic vision can be hard. And I don't want to pretend that faith is easy. We want God on our own terms. I know that at times I want a God that I can control and that can meet my needs, whatever I've decided my needs are for that day. Maybe some of you can identify with that. I don't know. But that's not how the God of the Bible operates. I think of how beloved Christian author C.S. Lewis described Aslan. Aslan is not a tame lion. We cannot control our God. And this sometimes leads to our frustration and perhaps our unbelief. Always remember that one of the oldest prayers in the New Testament is, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That's a prayer, right? Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That's one of the oldest prayers in the Bible. Now, at the same time, there is a tendency to make a fetish out of doubt. To make a doubt, to make doubt into something that we obsess over and make it, to make doubt and not our faith in God something that we can find comfort in. 
Now, doubt is not a bad thing, but it is not the end goal. Jesus is. Jesus Christ, crucified and risen from the dead out of love for us. He is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega for us. Doubt is only a step along the journey, but the end is always Jesus. Always Jesus. So I say to you, my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, my, my, my friends in the Lord, wherever you may be, I, I leave you with these words, this challenge perhaps. Acknowledge your doubts. Honestly acknowledge your struggles, whatever they may look like. And in that acknowledgement, reach. Reach towards Jesus. God takes you seriously, even more seriously than you take yourself. Hold on to your doubts, but look towards your salvation. Love one another. Worship God. Declare Jesus to be the Lord of your life and the God of the universe. Grasp on to him and trust in the power of his resurrection. Trust that Jesus is Lord. Trust that he is God. And like Thomas, receive the love that transforms everything. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Alleluia. Hallelujah. Amen.